welcome to episode 14 of I'm Coming Out, the podcast where people tell me, Johnny Harvey, their coming out stories. And today's guest is Connor Habib. I stumbled across Connor on Twitter at the start of the year when one of his threads on why he loves Ireland so much went viral. It turns out Connor is a really fascinating character and has had a really diverse career. He hosts a successful podcast called Against Everyone with Conor Habib and he's a prolific writer having written for Vice, Slate and the Irish Times. He's also a university lecturer and is currently studying for his PhD here in Dublin and you may also be familiar with his name from Adult Performing. As Connor says on his website he is the only person to have won awards for teaching, writing and for porn. I met up with Connor at his home a few weeks back and we chatted about what it was like growing up as a gay kid in small town America in the 80s and 90s, going to school with neo-Nazis, his unrequited love for a straight guy during high school, coming out to his mother, his other coming out as a porn star to his family at Thanksgiving and lots of other things. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating, review and subscribe as it really helps me and other people to discover the podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening and here it is. So you mentioned there about growing up in Pennsylvania. So what was that like growing up in a small town in Pennsylvania in the 1980s? Yeah, I mean, it sucked. Um, (laughs) There's a lot I like about Pennsylvania now and where I grew up now. Um, And certainly growing up in a place like that readied me to live in a lot of places that might be otherwise uncomfortable for me. But, you know, it was a very... uh, I grew up without any religion in my life. So, But I I grew up in a really religious area, nevertheless. So um, even though my parents raised me without church and and he's sort of or trying to enforce any kind of religious beliefs on me they I, I still went to school with people who are very religious you know and so I was always sort of soaking in that you know and then also the very like anti-intellectual you know and this is a problem with the U.S. in general but where I grew up certainly really intense like you weren't really supposed to be smart, you know, like you're supposed to be obedient, you know, you're supposed to get good grades, but that was not like someone who is like a creative, like smart person that was not okay, you know? And then, you know, I mean, as far as being gay, like I didn't really completely understand it until, you know, I was almost out of high school. I mean, I got it. I knew stuff was going on, but like really when I was like, okay, this is what's up took a while so you know but I was around people that were like intensely homophobic and you know definitely were uh more interested in naming my sexuality than I was you know at first point and then also you know growing up you know with a Syrian dad and that environment was also pretty difficult because it was all just white kids so there were a lot of factors that were not a lot of fun for, so for me. So it wasn't a multicultural area at all? No. I mean, you know, like, no. It, you know, it was like a lot of places in Ireland. It was, it was, it, 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 you know, yes, there were a few people yeah. here and there, um, but it was, no, not a multicultural area. Okay. Yeah. And so what was your awareness of homosexuality at the time, or did you have any 
or did you even were you even aware that it existed it's a really good question if i knew that it existed it's kind of not really for a while you know i i don't think i really understood that it was in like that you would call yourself that you know I, like I definitely knew a lot about sex before I knew anything about homosexuality. Like I had watched a lot of porn movies like from a very young age. Like when I was like seven, I saw one. I'm like every. Well, like, where did must... you where did you see them? Was well, this on like digital? Oh, no, the cable TV. Yeah, there was like a my my dad had like a cable cheater box, which meant that like. He basically was stealing cable from the neighbors. Okay. <laughs> and so there was a channel that just showed adult movies. And so, like, I, you know, I saw one kind of by accident when I was a kid. And then, like, a few years later, would, you know, watch them. And so I knew a lot about sex. I didn't. But it was long before I understood anything about homosexuality at all. So it's a confusing question to me because, like, definitely, like, all my desires and everything, they all kind of like were really intensified and bubbled up and all that sort of stuff before they actually found like their place, you know? And so, yeah, no, actually it's funny. No one's in the history of people asking me questions of like hundreds and hundreds of interviews I've done. No one's ever, ever asked me like, did I know what homosexuality was? Oh, that's good. Yeah. I thought it was a bit of an obvious question. <laughs> no, well, it should be right. But it, yeah. no, no one's ever asked me. Yeah. I, and so how did you come upon discovering what it was? I think I, it's, it's really hard to say. I mean, as a concept, you mean, you know, I mean, I definitely had like gay encounters, you know, but understanding what the concept was, I guess that must've just been like, because I was being made fun of, you know, without people knowing that that was me. So I was being made fun of and being called names and taunted and all that kind of stuff. And I guess at a certain point it was like, oh, they're right. You know, yeah. So I think that I think that was it. Is like I heard it first through insults, probably through school. Yeah, yeah. I think I was the same. Um, but did you have any idea of it in, on TV, or did you read about it in newspapers? Uh, I mean, probably I heard about. I you know I probably heard about it through sitcoms every once in a while, but I don't really remember any particular ones. Um, I remember sitcoms about AIDS, but it was always like. Like the ones I remember, like Mr. Belvedere, like this kid, this little boy got, uh, well, he said he had AIDS, but he had HIV, and then I guess that is, and then like an episode of 21 Jump Street where someone had HIV. I remember like those, <laughs> and, I, and I probably asked somebody like what that was, and somebody probably also told me, you know, well, that's a gay person thing, you know, but I don't, I don't remember i don't remember anything about like if i saw golden girls and like there was a gay character or something i was probably like huh you know i just it probably just like went past me so quickly that i didn't even register it you know it went over your head yeah exactly and you mentioned there you experienced a bit of homophobic bullying in school so can you tell me a bit more about that yeah i mean it it's interesting like that took place Mostly because I was like a punk rock kid. Like I had long black hair in the front. I was always wearing punk rock t-shirts. I didn't like sports. I refused to play any sports. 
which I still to this yeah, day. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and I think it was more like you're an outsider. So we're going to call you this, you know what I mean? And then that stuck at a certain point as like people's image of me. And then of course, like I hung out with a lot of girls um, and people did kind of assume that they were my girlfriends sometimes, you know, and sometimes they were, I mean, I did date girls every once in a while, but yeah, I don't know. I think like maybe not having like a steady girlfriend in the school that I went to probably didn't help hide matters, you know, at all. So was this middle school or high school? This is like getting into high school. Okay, yeah, basically. so was it a real traditional American high school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you had all the different tribes and oh, totally, yeah. totally, yes. So yeah, except more... except in, except in my school, the the there was an extra tribe which was um, neo Nazi skinheads because oh, I grew really? up in the, yeah I grew up in like one of the areas of the country that had the most the highest concentration of neo Nazis and interestingly I was friends with a lot of them because they were into punk rock music and so this is like you know now we're talking about the early nineties and it was like if I like punk rock music and they like punk rock music like that's who you hung out around and so secretly i was like well they're not saying anything about me being syrian so maybe they won't say anything about me being gay you know and these were obviously these were kids who were exploited by the real neo-nazi organizations that were you know around the area that were giving them like but their whole families they were influenced by their parents was it or no not a lot of times no i mean i had a friend jason who since committed suicide but he um was like a neo-nazi but he was like part asian you know so it was like it wasn't about it it just wasn't about families you know it was it was about people having a lack of meaning in their lives and then sort of organized real Nazi assholes like exploiting and preying upon them. So it was a sort of, it was an interesting environment. But anyway, there were all the other cliques too, you know, there were like the jocks and the cheerleaders and all that kind of stuff. But then there was like just this extra presence, you know? Yeah. So during those years when you were a teenager in Pennsylvania, did you have any opportunities to meet other gay people or to express that part of your identity or that part of who you were in any way? I mean, not really outwardly at first. I had a, actually, literally my next door neighbor who I would mess around with for like a couple years. He would come over and, you know, it started because we were like playing truth or dare or whatever. But I hated myself, like, every time he would come over and we would do that. Like, we would do that, and then I would, like, stand in the mirror after he left, and I would, like, slap myself in the face and say, never again. So you would have, like, gay experiences with him? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, Yeah. lots of gay experiences with him. Yeah, Yeah. and so, like, but I felt, you know, real, like, very melodramatic, like, Joan Crawford, like, smacking herself in the face or something, like, to make her skin tighter but that's what I would do when he would leave I would smack myself in the face and say never again and then of course I, I would and I didn't it, you know made me resent him I resented myself I mean he didn't do anything wrong you know in fact he did a lot right if I, <laughs> as I recall but um, that was all sort of a secret you know and aside from that not really I mean I eventually told some friends and then did you go to university in Massachusetts? Is that right? No, I started in Western Pennsylvania and then went, I transferred, yeah, to Massachusetts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So to the other side of the state. But before that, you know, I mean, th- there was some stuff that had happened before that for sure, which was like I fell in love with this guy that I went to high school with. He was like a new kid and 
with Tom and I was just like oh my god I was like in love with Tom and was Tom gay or no well no so Tom and I like spent tons of time together nobody really talked to him when he first moved to school I thought he was so like beautiful and handsome and I was just like an exploding like you know repressed bundle of hormones like I would have well anyway so (laughs) um so but Tom came and he was just he was so handsome he was very tall and you know I just fell like head over heels for him and we just we hung out all the time like every day after school I would just walk to his house and we would hang out and then like you know like I would sleep over but we'd sleep in the same bed and like kind of like cuddle and all that and then I really you know was just so into him and then his <laughs> we used to hang out with my friend Becky and Gwen and one day we we're all over at their house and I went upstairs and I was talking to Gwen and I came back downstairs and like Tom and Becky were like making oh, out oh that must have been heartbreaking Oh, it was horrible. I lost my mind. I yelled at Becky. I was like, you're a whore, which is just like stupid. She didn't know anything, you know, because I really like I'm painting a picture of myself as a terrible person, hanging out with skidheads, being shitty to my neighbor and, you know, whatever. But like that, that actually is a pretty common reality for kids that grow up gay, like in the places where I grew up. I mean, you just feel constantly persecuted because you can't even voice you're not even Mm. supposed to imagine what you're desiring much less like talk about it and everybody else around you is having their own sexual and love experiences and dating experiences and so forth you know and uh if you say anything about it you just get the shit kicked out of you and since you also live around skinheads like you could get really the shit kicked out of you so it was you know really uh a threatening constantly threatening environment so then yes i so so Tom was a real unrequited love. Yes, and and then I uh, Be- Becky was like, "Why didn't you just tell me you liked me?" And I was like, "I don't, I don't like it." She's like, "Oh, do you like Tom?" And I was like, "Yeah." And then she and then she was like, totally sort of understood. Although then she said some really homophobic stuff like after that, but that was like the sort of breaking moment. And yeah, Tom was a huge unrequited love, and I did tell him you know, after that I was like in love with him and he, he was just like, well, I'm not gay. And he just kind of walked away and then we never hung out again. Oh, that must've been so tough. (laughs) Yeah, it was awful. (laughs) Um, But do you think he led you on a little bit? Do you think he knew that you were gay and he, he was just a bit curious? I don't know. I mean, I think, I think, I think straight people are, I mean, I think straight people are very confused. Well, I think everybody's very confused about their desires and their sexuality. But I think straight people particularly because they have a model that's sort of set up for them, which they can just sort of be lazy and, you know, never have any moments of self-reflection. I think that he um, was probably genuinely attracted to me on one level and not another. Like, I think our attractions are multiple. You can be really, really drawn Mm -hmm. to somebody in a certain way and find yourself stuck in another way i mean and you know the easy example of this that anybody can understand is when you're really physically attracted to somebody in a way that's almost overwhelming and then you hang out with them and they're just like a blockhead you know and you're like i can't but you can't get over that person because they're so you're so drawn to them physically but the reverse happens too 
you know, you're, you're into somebody's personality or you're into maybe the art or the music that they make or whatever. And you just can't pull yourself away because there's an aspect of yourself that is deeply in love with that person. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's what was happening with Tom. Like he was in love with me in his way, but not, not the way that he could give all of it, you know? And you don't know what happened to Tom. I, you know, he was so mysteriously absent from social media for so long. And then finally I saw a picture of him and, a, and his family. You know, he has kids okay. now and stuff. Still holding out hope for him. Though. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, straight guys like that, though, who are sort of bi-curious, don't they? And who do f- sort of flirt with gay guys. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, ultimately I think that these labels are pretty stupid. You know, I, they're they're useful in so much as they name ways in which we can be connected to each other and understand each other's experiences and all that. But I mean, even sort of framing it as like gay or straight or bi is a very difficult, you know, proposition for me because people change like throughout their lives. And, you know, we're all, we, we all have stuff that (laughs) we have stuff that we do. It's not a cross cultural thing. First of all, it's like, you know, Middle Eastern men hold hands and put their hands on each other's thighs and kiss Mm. each other on the mouth when they say goodbye sometimes and the cheek and, very like touchy and grabby you know but but also like what what's what's the definition you know um so i think i think that what the real i think the the question you're asking the place i would go with it is like we have a hard time facing up to desires that we have and just letting them be what they are like we try so hard to fit them into an identity and in fact like desire is bigger than identity like it's something that's much larger than what we name ourselves or what we understand ourselves to be and we don't always know where it's going to lead us you know it can be very scary but i think that that's the task that people have is to follow it you know rather than try to deny it um to try to follow it as much as you can while still you know remaining healthy and 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 stable but even that it can be kind of uh it can kind of upend your life a little bit but i still think that that's what people should do is is follow it so for straight guys that are like you know they find themselves drawn to a guy i don't i i i have real questions about why where the stopping point is for them you know and and why or for you know women that find themselves drawn to other women whatever or for gay men for that matter who i hear from all the time like might be attracted to women in later life and don't want to do anything about it or don't what wouldn't know how and you know and then you can even hear i can hear the sort of chatter coming out of what i said on this show like as some well that that person's bisexual that's why and it's like well no like why do we have to throw it back into the bins of identity and instead we could just sort of see people as individuals you know so you see sexuality as something much more fluid well i think it's individual i think it's individuated it's like you know everybody i forget who said it but it's like if there's eight billion people there are eight billion different sexualities you know i mean there's very unique to each person and i think we should acknowledge that and 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 try to find out then what saying i'm gay does for me or i'm lesbian or i'm queer or whatever what that does for you it still gives something to you it still has value in your life but to make it a stopping point i think is maybe uh uh, can be troubling yeah yeah i can't imagine being with a woman at all yeah i never i can't imagine that ever happening 
I'm like a, a what do they say a gold card gay gold star gay is like gold someone who's never had sex go. with a woman which I yeah. am also but I will say like I I do find myself more attracted to women as I get older and sometimes they'll enter into my masturbation fantasies or just think about so I think it's like and do you think I want that there? I don't want it there. It just it just shows up. But also from knowing so many sex workers, you know, and people who do porn and stuff, it's just like who are sex workers, but porn workers, like there's definitely a lot more sort of freedom in people that engage with sex a lot and very consciously um, with a certain amount of awareness where these kinds of boundaries seem to dissolve a little bit. It's like, well, I want to try that. I want to try this. I want to try this thing, you know? So I'm not telling you that you ever will be attracted to it. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, you know, it might surprise you one day, you know? Um, Because I sure as hell was surprised when I had feelings like that. Yeah, it would really surprise me (laughs) in a a very big way. So when did you... So around this time, did you come out when you went to university? Yeah, I mean, I guess I came out before that a bit because I took a year off between high school and college. And um, there were, I had some friends that I told. I told my sister um, and And I told some of my friends. She was just kind of like, all right. I mean, I think she, it was such a non event, you know? I was thinking about this when you asked me to be on the show. It's like so, so much of my coming out stuff is such a non event, you know? Um, As it is for, I think a lot of people actually a bit anticlimactic. Yeah, it was anticlimactic, but well, yeah, I was afraid I, it didn't live up to my anxiety about it. That's for sure. You know, um, I mean, I had a lot more anxiety about it. I think the struggle came like, yeah, when I got to college and I, I still wanted to be able to come out to people. So I wonder if a lot of gay people feel like this is like, I had already told a lot of people, you know, before I got to college, some of my friends, my sister. Then when I got to college, like, I I felt like this is my right to be able to tell people whenever I want. So if somebody told, for instance, if somebody told someone else that I was gay and I wasn't the one that told them, I would get angry. I'd be like, that's for me to tell them, you know, because it felt like a moment that that should be constantly up to me that was mine that belonged to me like the revelation belonged to me for some reason was that because of the time that it was and maybe it was more of an issue well that definitely especially where i first went to school which was all the way on the other side of the state about a six hour drive and it was you know in the middle of the woods or whatever sure there was definitely some of that but i don't no, it, it felt more like this was a special thing about me now that I could speak it. Now that I could say it, it was something about me that was special, not something that was necessarily horrible. But um, I think also I I really had this feeling that when I was hanging out with my friends, if they were straight, which most of my close friends in college were, that they would always harbor a feeling in the back of their heads that well yeah but he's that gay guy like it was never just that they could just hang out with me and like forget it mm-hmm. and I don't know why I needed them to forget it but just that there was this little part of them and that also that cut off the possibility for whatever kind of relationship might 
unfold between us. Because my conception still is that a lot of people are, like we were talking about before, willing to do all kinds of sexual things that might be outside of what they would label themselves. But as soon as you put the label on it, it has this kind of static fixed effect. You know what I mean? So it would limit what you what could happen with certain people or yeah in a way like um because i thought people would reflexively reject me if they had to identify themselves as what i was so like it was like and i found this to be true actually like there were guys that i would have sex with that would identify as straight and i think still probably some of them to this day well i know some of them to this day identify as straight but um that was because we were like buddies, you yeah. know, like, but if there was like that label, then it would have been, oh, well, he's gay. So if I have sex with him, I'm gay too. Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I live with my best friend, uh, you know, well, I live with all my best friends in, in college, but one of my best friends in particular, he was pretty straight, but every once in a while we would kiss or we would do something. And he was very, he was very crushed that he couldn't be gay. Like he kept trying, like, which is very interesting, but he was just like, I just, it's just not what I am like total. So I think that sort of informed some of my experience as well. And now he's married. His wife is awesome. Like, and I don't think he's ever had gay experiences since. So it was just sort of like, yeah, like I'm asking you to call yourself something here and you can't do that. But you know, if, if we don't do that, then maybe we can still have these interactions, which are very meaningful to me in a lot of ways. Because you've met loads of adventurous, I know you don't like putting a name on it, more to the straight uh, end of the spectrum guys, haven't you? Sure. Yeah, yeah. of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, haven't every, I mean, everybody in Ireland must because like so few people like up to very recently were like identifying as gay in an out sort of way, right? Right. Yeah. And so how about coming out to the rest of your family? How did that happen? Yeah. Um, well, I told my mom and she, (laughs) that was really weird because, you know, um, we're actually talking about much, much bigger things as, as weird as that sounds as big as me being gay was and me telling her, we were talking about like some really intense stuff in family history that I don't really want to talk about right now, but, but, but no, no, it's fine. But so because it was in the context of the larger conversation, it was so diminished compared to everything else we were saying. Like I still cried, you know, but like, uh, but then we kind of moved on and talked about the other like big things that we were discussing at the moment. Um, you know, and so again, it was like, it it was loving, but it was, you know, not anticlimactic, but it didn't live up to my sort of anxieties about telling her. I never told my dad. I've never, that's not true. I did tell my dad, but I told my dad when I was 30. So it was much later, but I didn't really have a relationship with my dad. So it kind of just ended up being, you know, around when I turned 30, we actually stopped talking, but I, but not because of that. I, and, and that was just part of like a, a very, um, just sort of, like tangential, like a conversation that took place for other reasons. Again, with him, where I just kind of told him, and I was like, you know, come on, dude. Like, you, you know, you know, even though we've never talked about it. Yeah. So do you think maybe your sister had told him? No, I think he, I think it just, well, you know what? I don't know. That's a good question because 
I would really like thought that he would just know. But then, you know, I remember being in my 20s and we'd like get in an elevator and there'd be some woman get in and if you like, what about her? You know, <laughs> and uh, and I'd be like, how can you not fucking, you know, like, come on. So I think maybe somebody led on to him at some point, but I don't think so. I think he maybe was just kind of maybe he was actually clueless until I told him. I don't know. I think some parents can be like that sometimes. I think my mom was that way because mm. with me it was, oh, it was so obvious. I couldn't understand how somebody didn't <laughs> know. But I think they just some parents think, oh, that's something I read about in the newspaper or that's something I see about on TV. That's not something I'm going to experience really. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's funny. I think it's it it can feel really sort of obvious to us. And then sometimes when your parents don't know. You kind of feel like they're like rooting for you to be straight like yeah. maybe they just if they just don't admit it like it'll yeah. never actually come to light you know yeah yeah and so after university you went to san francisco is that right yeah um after grad school i moved to yeah. san francisco yeah 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 so did you and then you got into adult performing yes yes so did that happen organically or did you have a plan to do it Oh, I wanted to be in porn since I was like 11 years old or something like that. So I, before I knew I was gay, like I remember just thinking like, this is so cool that people do this. Like why would, why would someone not want this to be their job? When I figured out that it was actually like a job that somebody did, I was like, how could anybody not want this to be the thing that they do? You know, why do people want to be astronauts or like the president? That's so lame, you know, <laughs> when, you, when you could be a porn star instead. So it was a lifelong kind of dream. And I had been an English uh, college, university English instructor for like three years as well. And I was just like, I'm doing all these other things that I want to do, but there's that thing, you know, and it hasn't happened yet. And if I don't do it soon, I probably just won't do it. And I would regret, really regret not you know throwing my life into that and so to oh. some extent so how did it come about do you like go for an audition or <laughs> do you um are you is it through connections or networking yeah no i was just human trafficked no i was oh. not human trafficked i'm just kidding i um was <laughs> because that's when people like think porn stars just like yeah. sort of unwittingly well i actually i don't think they think that anymore now that everybody is like there's so many only fans and stuff but i moved there with the intention of being in porn, um, I got a job as a professor um, right after I got there. And the day that I was supposed to start, there was some weird bureaucratic bullshit that was really irritating to me, like just about like the kinds of emails I was supposed to send to the other professors and how I was supposed to be prepared for my class. So this is like unheard of, by the way. Like I finished grad school and I got... And I actually didn't even have the degree in hand. Like that was that I just finished the studies and I got a job at a university outside of or a college outside of San Francisco. That that never happens. And I, um, when the day I was supposed to start, I was like, you know, guys, I don't think I'm going to show up today. Like I just don't want this. And in my head, I was like, I want to be a porn star. So um, I then just got a job at a bookstore for a little while and uh eventually i got an audition for a commercial and the commercial was for a bathhouse <laughs> and it was like they were playing the commercial before a gay and lesbian film festival so the bathhouse was a sponsor for the film festival okay. so i was in it 
and then the two guys who filmed the commercial the pr- production team like one of them came up to me he's like have you ever thought about being in porn and i was like ever not thought about being in porn <laughs> and then he owned a porn studio so i then was on my way yeah okay so i felt like it was meant to be <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> yeah. so what of it that's quite an interesting cv to have isn't it so academia and porn mm-hmm. isn't it yeah i mean i think it's increasingly you know i think a lot of college students now are in porn mm-hmm. um especially in the u.s because college is so expensive and you don't get uh free ride so to speak um so i think you know, I don't know if those people are going on to become academics, but certainly when I did it, sure, yeah. And also, like, someone that was open about it. That was, I actually didn't really know almost anybody. There were maybe Annabelle Chong and Annabelle, I think her name is. Anyway, there were very few people, you know, who were open about it. And were you still teaching at the time, or? Oh, no, no, I wasn't, I wasn't teaching at the time, no. No and what sort of industry is it do you ever meet any other actors or performers who also are academics or yeah i mean sure they're i mean porn performers do all everything i mean i know porn performers who are lawyers and weathermen and doctors and all that it's you know and then there are porn performers who are just porn performers you know not i don't mean merely i mean that, that that's all that they do and um you know, and a lot of people who do porn are escorts as well. And I think, you know, and, and do other kinds of sex work. So I don't know. I mean, I think my sort of generation of porn performers, including straight porn performers, and the ones just like a few years younger than us, I mean, it's still the same generation, but I think we were kind of the first ones that were like, it's okay to do this and do other things, like in a collective effort to like present that message to the world. And now it seems to be a little more acceptable. I mean, people are still sort of stigmatized and there's plenty of laws about regulatory laws about porn and all that kind of stuff. Um, So, but people do all sorts of things, you know, And, and I think more and more, I hope they're able to do porn and do the things that they like and not be stigmatized or, you know, um, fired or whatever, you know. And how did your family and friends react to your porn career? Yeah, I mean, that coming out story is maybe a little f- more fun than the other. So, again, I told my sister first and she was like, huh, that's like the exact right job for you. And I was like, I know, because <laughs> anybody that knew me knew that I was just uh, not only a sexual person, but someone who liked thinking and talking about sex and also couldn't quite understand what everybody's problem with it was you know like i used to think i had like a chip missing you know from my brain and then someone kindly said to me no no you have one added and i was like ah okay i see where i just i couldn't i couldn't get everybody's bullshit around sex it just made no sense to me like Madonna, in a way. Is that right? In that respect. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I was ashamed about my homosexuality, but like, but, but sex itself was not, you know, that was, that was so weird to me. So, so she knew, but then she went to, <laughs> she, I, I was in San Francisco and she was like with my family in Pennsylvania at Thanksgiving. And my aunt, who I think she must have been like 60-something, she was like, what, what's up with your brother? What's your brother? And so my sister, who's just a well-meaning loudmouth, like told everybody. Oh, really? And then she said there was a moment 
of silence. And then my aunt in her 60s, she said, well, the key word here is star, everybody. Oh. You know, and then everybody <laughs> laughed and then just got back to dinner. Yeah. yeah. Do you yeah. think people have been a bit more open-minded about it in America? No, not at that time. No. No, no, definitely not. Um, I mean, mm, I was... I think my family was just sort of like, what are we going to do? That's it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Are your parents okay about it? Or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my mom is was dead by the time I started, so... Um, and my... You know, like I said, I don't really talk to my dad, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. yeah. Do you get recognized a lot now? Yeah, oh yeah, constantly. Um, it It's interesting now because I've done a lot of different things that I get recognized for different things now, you know? I mean, really, mostly it's just the podcast and, and, and porn, but it might even just be, like, for Twitter or something like that, but yeah. And finally... What advice do you give to people now if, who are maybe struggling with their sexuality and with coming out? What do you say to them? Yeah. I mean, I would say a few things. The first thing I would say is like, you know, like if you love the people that you want to come out to, remember that you love them enough to give them the freedom to respond how they want. It's not about controlling their response. You know, it's about you and your own integrity and like you giving them the gift of presenting yourself to them for real. Now, obviously, and I, I know people say this all the time, but it's like if you're in a really, really physically unsafe situation or whatever, you might want to, you know, be tactical about it. But the, the I think the more important thing I'll say is, is something that I heard a sex worker say once this woman Amber Hollibaugh who's very inspirational to me she's a she was a stripper she's a sex worker she like grew up poor you know her cradle was like a dresser drawer um and she is now you know an organizer an activist and she said wherever you have a secret that is where you are vulnerable and so for me, what I really learned was, well, if I just reveal myself, then I'm not vulnerable anymore. Like actually the secret, which I think is protecting me, is the thing that's making me constantly feel threatened and, and vulnerable. So if I reveal myself, if I'm vulnerable publicly, then I derive strength from that. So, you know, part of it is about vulnerability and that's hard. But yeah. living the truth sets you free. Yeah. I know that sounds a bit cliche. But... No, but it, I mean, it, it, that's true. <laughs> um, so I, I think that I would just say, you know, the revelation of the secret is, is something that, uh, will really, really do something for you in your life. And it's what I try to really live my own life on is just being kind of publicly integrated and open, you know? Yeah. yeah and and you also you're gonna have to come out in a lot of different ways in your life you know there's a lot there's a lot of different ways to come out and so even after you come out and say you know i'm lesbian or bisexual or gay and you know i don't want to speak to trans experiences because they're they're different they have different contours yeah. but if if you if you if that's a way that you need to come out but there are other things to come out about later in life what what kind of desires you have, what kind of um, acts you might be into um, that you 
are going to need to come out to your partner to at a certain point. Or, you know, um, if you are a sex worker or if you want to sort of try something or if you don't really believe in monogamy, like these kinds of things are all strengthened by the initial act of coming out. So, you know, think of it as like, you know, a kind of sink or swim in a way training for the many times you'll have to do this in your life because it's an unending process. Yeah, we're all coming out in different ways throughout our lives. Yes, very, very true. Connor, thank you so much for your time today. It was a pleasure meeting you. Yeah, thanks. And uh, thanks for chatting with me. Sure. Are you, you're working on more episodes of your podcast? Yes. Yes. So, yeah, so my podcast is Against Everyone with Connor Habib, and it's on every podcast platform you can find. But there's a Patreon for it if you want to support it, which is patreon.com forward slash Connor Habib. And that's the only way that that show is funded. I don't have sponsors or anything like that. I like having relationship and kind of grassroots funding from the people that listen. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so best of luck with that. And Thanks. thank you for your time. Thank you, Connor. Thanks a lot. Thank you.